Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbytes Weekly News Show, rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I am your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. I hope everyone is having a good new year so far. This is our second show of the new year. Last week was a bit of a look ahead at the uh, year ahead with a bunch of game releases and predictions and stuff like that. And this week we're a little bit back to normal. I talked to both Mike Williams and Diego Arguello about the perhaps death of E3, uh, as as well as other things, including a zombie survival game from 2013 that is getting a major resurgence right now. I'm actually super interested in that conversation. But before we get to those great convos, we have to get to our top stories first. Hey, you want some top stories? I got some top stories for you. Uh, what about what about Sony? What about CES? What about technology? Sony showed up to CES this past week with news of PSVR 2. That's right. The oft-rumored follow-up to PSVR is called the PlayStation VR 2. Uh, it will only work with the PlayStation 5 system. Uh, it has got a new headset and Sense controllers. They are big, notable uh, upgrades from the PS4 iteration that launched back in 2016. Here are some details from a blog post that was posted to uh, PlayStation's official blog. Uh, PSVR offers 4K HDR with 120 de- 110 degree field of view, foveated rendering. It's got an OLED display. It's got smooth frame rate, 90 to 120 hertz, and uh, it's got a resolution of 2000 by 2040 per eye. That's a lot of resolution for those eyeballs, for, for your peepers. They've got new headset-based controller tracking. Uh, so it, basically the PSVR will track you and your controller through integrated cameras that are embedded within the VR headset. It's got new sensory features uh, that combines eye tracking, headset feedback, 3D audio, and the new sense controller to create uh, a lot of immersion. If you've played VR, you know what we're talking about here. But they've got some cool Tempest 3D audio tech that makes it sound like, you know, things are coming from specific locations uh, while you're in the VR space. Uh, And the eye tracking itself is very, very good. It's really improved from previous iterations. Uh, It allows players to interact more intuitively in new and lifelike ways, says the blog post. Uh, There are a lot of specifications for this thing that you can read over at fanbyte.com. It's got six six axis motion sensing systems in the uh, in the headset itself, uh, it's got a USB-C. The Sense controllers uh, look pretty cool. They look a lot like a Quest device, but they kind of cage your hand in a different way than uh, some of those other VR controllers. Um, and the stuff looks cool. Um, and they also announced one of the first projects that will launch with the uh, PSVR 2, and that is Horizon. Uh, Call of the Mountain. It is a VR experience. They're not calling it a game, but you'll get to walk through uh, Aloy's world uh, with uh, uh, with with the robo dinos and in the cool jungle environment. Uh, there was a trailer of it. You can also find over on our uh, fanbyte.com piece uh, that Kenneth Shepard wrote up for us. Uh, so yeah, if you're super interested in VR um, then and don't have a high-powered PC or anything, then uh, Sony has you covered at some point. Uh, we don't know when this is coming out, but uh, we do know that it is coming for sure. So if you're excited about PSVR, then get ready for PSVR dose. 
hey, if you like Rainbow Six and you also like Xbox Game Pass, then I've got some pretty good news for you. Starting on January 20th, Rainbow Six Extraction will launch on Game Pass, uh, and Rainbow Six Siege will launch on Game Pass for PC on the same day. Extraction is a spinoff of Siege, which is more of a co-op uh, kind of zombie shooter, although it's really aliens in this one. Um, but it looks pretty cool. I'm, ex I'm excited to try it out. Uh, and Game Pass is getting better because of those things. Ubisoft Plus is a subscription service through Ubisoft themselves. It gives you access to 100 plus games. It's uh, over on PC, on, on Amazon Luna, on Google Stadia, and it's also coming to Xbox Game Pass. So that's a pretty big deal. It's uh, the first console-based partnership that Ubisoft has made uh, for its Ubisoft Plus platform. Uh, so that's neat. Uh, so yeah, uh, January is a big month for folks that like Ubisoft stuff and own an Xbox. Uh, they've still not really dealt with their stuff, you know, all the harassment and wage stuff, but you know, whatever. One of this week's most interesting stories is Game Jolt, a community and storefront that recently removed a bunch of games from its library because they violated new policies about sexually explicit content. Uh, Game Jolt's reasoning is because Game Jolt has gotten big. And because they're big now, uh, they've got to look out for their their increased audience, which includes uh, young children. Um, they don't want those porn games to show up to uh, folks of a younger age. Of course, this decision was made essentially overnight with emails going out to people the morning of the decision saying that their games have been delisted, which means that folks that might rely on Game Jolt for their sales had that completely pulled out from under them. Of course, Creators are frustrated by this. Some of them are understanding, but many are frustrated. And there are other there are other storefronts that allow you to uh, to sell porn games, including itch.io uh, and Steam. Game Jolt recommended Steam. I'm not sure I would recommend Steam. Steam seems seems a little bit uh, wishy washy with their policies, but itch.io uh, is uh, is a little less so. They even tweeted itch.io. <laughs> It tweeted this warning itch.io is not for prudes. If you click our link, please be careful about what you might see. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're down for it. So, uh, some developers have, uh, expressed a, a huge frustration over this move. Game Jolt has doubled down on their decision. If you want to read more about this story, you can over at fanby.com. Kenneth Shepard got some excellent quotes from a lot of different sources on that piece. Thank you, Kenneth. Um, Bioware is no longer requiring people that they hire, uh, developers specifically, to relocate to their offices in Canada or Austin. Um, so their Edmonton studio and their Austin, Texas studio will no longer require developers to move to those places in order to work there. This is a really huge move for an EA-owned subsidiary uh, because a lot of big publishers are not allowing this kind of remote hybrid style. Uh, and as these teams continue to work on the next Mass Effect and Dragon Age games, uh, they will do so uh, remotely if they so choose. So that is a big move in, in what I would say is the right direction uh but yeah that's a pretty nice pretty nice thing offices should not be mandatory this should be a nice option for folks um you might have heard 
E3 as a physical event is on the shelf again. Uh, I'm not going to go into how I feel about it because I talked to Mike Williams and uh, Diego Arguello about that. But EA has decided uh, this week that they will, because of the spread of the Omicron variant of COVID-19, will cancel the in-person event, which is usually scheduled for mid-June um, in Los Angeles. Uh, they will say, due to the, they said, due to the ongoing health risks surrounding COVID-19 and its potential impact on the safety of exhibitors and, and attendees, E3 will not be held in person in 2022. Uh, we remain incredibly excited about the future of E3 and look forward to announcing more details soon. Uh, end quote. They uh, Last year, they had an online portal, which was functionally useless, I'll be honest. Um, and because of the ESA uh, and their decreasing amount of uh, influence and power in the space, um, this seems like maybe the last time that we uh, we, we may have already seen the last in-person E3. Um, I don't want to speculate that hard. It could be back. The brand might be strong enough. Uh, but yeah, this, this seems like a blow. Um, I'll miss seeing folks. LA is a cool place to hang out with a lot of people, but, uh, but yeah, E3 will not be in person. Jeff Keeley, quick with the uh, announcement that the summer games fest will be back. That's not surprising. Uh, but he will do his showcase again. Konami, oh, Konami, uh, they're getting into the NFT thing. They're celebrating Castlevania's anniversary with an NFT. I don't really, I don't even really have like, a, 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 like there's not a lot of detail here. I'll just say they're selling an NFT to, to commemorate the, the anniversary of Castlevania. Um, they've basically gone from Konami has from being one of the best third-party developers in the world. I mean, we're talking a big developer. We're talking a big publisher that made some incredible, respected, massive games. Castlevania, Contra, Metal Gear Solid. These are huge franchises. Silent Hill, huge franchises. Um, and beloved franchises, critically and commercially. And they've now shifted to this kind of gambling stuff uh, with the exit of Hideo Kojima. Uh, and now, of course, with NFTs, it's not all that surprising, but it is very, very sad. Um, let's uh, let's uh, fire up the rumor mill, shall we? Uh, Jeff Grobe over at Adventure Beat slash Giant Bomb is saying that we will probably get a reveal of Jedi Fallen Order 2 uh, before E3. Now, of course, E3 doesn't exist, really. But before mid-June, we should see an announcement uh, for Jedi Fallen Order. We're hearing kind of a lot of the same stuff with our ears to the ground. Uh, we know that Respawn is working on something. Uh, and Jedi Fallen Order was one of the big surprises over the past few years. A really solid single-player action game. Um, that uh, takes place in the Star Wars universe. Jeff Grubb believes that the title may hit in 2022, but 2023 is more likely. Uh, listen, before June, reveal, hmm, seems like May 4th. May the 4th is a big Star Wars day. That's where they announce a bunch of new stuff coming to uh, like Disney Plus in terms of the show or maybe announce a movie or a game or two. So it probably makes sense that that would be the place to announce something like this.
My first guest this week is a staff writer for fanbyte.com and, of course, the linkshell.com, our Final Fantasy XIV section. I am super happy to welcome to the show Mike Williams. Hi, Mike. Hello, hello. How is everybody doing today? I hope it's it's a good time, at least. We're in 2022. We're in 2022. It's uh, Does it feel different to you? Not at all. Not, <laughs> not even in the slightest. Although... Uh, I'm on the East Coast, so we were just graced with snow. So that I maybe saw the, the cleansing power of of white snow. Yeah, uh, will did make you, it feel like a new year. Did you get a full blanket? I saw some great photos this morning. Uh, we got, I'd say probably like an inch and a half to two inches, so not oh, wow. a ton, but more. I'd like we hadn't really gotten snow at all until now. Yeah, yeah. I saw photos out of Brooklyn this morning, and it's. I mean, it just looks like uh, like album covers, just like everywhere. It's amazing. Um, it, yeah. It's even more amazing when you don't actually have to go anywhere uh-huh. ever. Yeah. You can just look at it and just be like, "Wow, that's cool." Wow, snow. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, yeah, we last year. Um, of course, Texas got the the worst of it, and of course, their the grid failed, and that was that was the worst part of it. But like. Here in Arkansas, we also got, I think it was uh, like 16 straight days of like snow and ice, which was oh, really wild. And so we we definitely got like snowed in like legitimately with about eight inches of snow. And, um, uh, you know, for the first few days, it was a lot of fun because we were just like, OK, I work remotely. This is fine. And, uh, you know, we have groceries and then by, by like the fifth day when I'm tired of eating those groceries and they've started to disappear, I'm like, oh no, oh God, what do we do? So I don't miss that, but I definitely miss snow. Um, it hasn't really done that here yet. So it'd be nice. Yeah. I I was wondering if that was a a case, like I have family in Texas, so it's, it's very much a case of, uh. Uh, snow being a thing that you're just not used to. Oh God, for the most part. No. I mean, so not the, prepared. The infrastructure shuts shuts down. Like I have family also in like Georgia, and when they got snow, it was just like, oh my God, what's going on? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. When 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 anyone sees a flake here or in Oklahoma or in Texas, basically everything just just shuts down. So yeah, it's uh. It can be kind of frustrating, but it's also very beautiful, especially if you don't have to go anywhere. Um, let's uh, let's talk about um, speaking of speaking of not going anywhere. Um, let's talk about E3, the potential death question mark of the physical event of E3. Um, we learned that they will be doing a digital event this year again, uh, whatever that entails. Of course, Jeff Keeley was very quick with the. Hey, uh, Summer Games Fest will be back uh, right when that announcement happened. Um, are you are you mourning this, or do you feel like this is? Um, how, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about E three? I mean, I've I've been beating the drum that like I don't have a problem with E three. I like going to L A. Sure, once a year uh, the the E three marathon I have done many many times and. Uh, I, I enjoyed the week of of sprinting all of my energy out, eating like crap, uh-huh. and playing a ton of video games and writing a lot. Um, but probably, I think, since maybe 2018, I was like, E3 needs to find a point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that was before everything started going horribly wrong for E3. Uh, like we had the leak of, of journalist information. Yeah. And um, people keep leaving the show floor like major publishers. And now they're going to be like, oh, we have E3 online. No one cares about E3 online. No. Like there's no zero point to do E3 Online. I don't did did any of us like a few of us use the portal or like were signed up for the portal last year, but like did you use it at all? No, there was no reason there's no it. reason. All, all the stuff was all the stuff was elsewhere. Yeah. Um and and like the an online E3 is a wash. It's entirely yeah. a wash. Um but even offline, like it had been losing it's any sort of cachet or identity like it packs if if you care about community packs is a better show and there's probably one much closer to you um yeah if you care about game development there's gdc or dice uh if you like just want a big huge trade show um gamescom is actually a better show yeah. Um, so, like, just over the years, everyone had been chipping away at E3, and E3's only reason uh, to keep going is the fact that it was E3, and that's really not a lot. Like, it yeah. works for publishers in that you get, like, two weeks of all of the press in the world in one spot. Yeah. But it- you don't need that anymore. No. Um you don't need to pay them for a show floor. You don't, and it's probably in many cases detrimental um, to show off your games uh, in one week in June. If your game isn't coming out in the next three months after that, mm-hmm. um, like once Nintendo started doing the directs and PlayStation moved to state of play and, and uh, Microsoft moved to the X O uh, shows uh, like any any major publisher can just put out its own thing yeah. if Capcom wants to announce Resident Evil 4 it doesn't need to wait until June to do it it can just drop a stream or trailer or whatever like tomorrow if it wants yeah. to right yeah these, and these everyone will cover it everyone will cover it and these massive publishers like you said they have budgets and available staff to put on event coordination to do marketing to do these things that like if they can control it soup to nuts it it's becoming like way 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 less um viable or reasonable to hand that hand those duties to someone else which i i kind of get um, yeah and, and and even seeing the games like at e3 uh for those who haven't gone it it is a a I call it a marathon because it really is because you basically set up appointments uh, from day one till the end of the show. And usually in like hour blocks, maybe two hours most. And you basically run from place to place on the show floor at the LA convention center or increasingly off site uh, to go play a game for like an hour yeah, and then maybe interview somebody and then you run to the next game. Uh-huh. And for a lot of games, that's also just not a great way 
to do it. And the pandemic has sort of forced uh, developers and publishers to just be like, I mean, we can parsec it. We can stream the game to you. Right. We can just give you a code and you can just play it like on your leisure, which is much better because E3 is also very loud. Like, yes, it is. Yeah. Like it is a crowded show and trying to play a game in the heat around a bunch of other people and really get into it and enjoy it is also <laughs> not ideal. Different. Yeah. So not ideal conditions for that. Yeah. There's just a whole bunch of things against E3 now, and the ESA just never seemed interested in finding a way out. Like, yeah. they, they tried, they were like, oh, let's have content creators come, and here, let's have the average uh, game player, like enthusiast player come, but you don't have any, you don't have any events for the average player. It's right. just lines and videos and that. yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It, it doesn't make a ton of sense anymore i mean i will i will miss it for the things that you mentioned at the top which is just like it's nice to go to la it's nice to i mentioned this last night on twitter like and it kind of it kind of sounds snotty but I, I'll, I'll stand behind it it's like if you're really really excited about the death of e3 you probably need better industry friends like it is really really fun to go to la and see people like that is to me, that has like been the most fun thing about E3 and these big conventions, but but it, it doesn't have a purpose. The ESA, the governing body of the of E3, like has barely any purpose at this point. And um I yeah, the event itself is I don't know. It's it it is increasingly meaningless. And and yeah, it is so funny how people are even in 2019, which was the first, which was the final kind of in-person E3 at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, it was that instance of like, yes, there would be an appointment in the bottom floor of the show floor. Okay. And then there would be an appointment on literally the opposite side. And then there would be an appointment in a hotel room across the street on the 23rd floor. And you had to basically squeeze all that in in about an hour and a half. And I hated that. I really hated that, how sprawling it started to get. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm happy it is going away in a sense, but I do wish Jeff or I guess just all the other publishers or whatever would figure out a way to like get together in a in a in a space for a week or two where it would make sense to kind of do a bunch of stuff at once because there is a marathon aspect to it where everybody works too hard and I don't like that, but I don't know if I love everything being so unbelievably spread out the way it has been the past couple of years. Do you prefer these many different showcases? Cause I feel like this past year in 2021 was kind of critical mass of like, Oh my God, there's a showcase for this now. Like, you know what I mean? I do think we could probably cut some of those. I, I said, I think it might've been uh, sadly the wholesome games one, maybe the second yeah, one that they did. That's exactly and, what I was thinking about. And too. I was like, I am not taking in any of this. <laughs> like there are games happening and they are flying by and I'm just not, None of this is going in. Mm -hmm. It's like maybe if they're already on the Steam one was uh, 
I think it was the Future Games one, where they yeah. also had like an adjoining Steam page, so I could see what was coming All the by. Stuff. Yeah, and I could just like hit you know add to wish list, and that helped. Yeah, but part of the problem of having so many uh, shows of trailers and hosts is there comes a point where there's just too many. Yeah. I, I do like the, the general idea of like, all right, here's the Nintendo direct. Here's a Sony state of play. Here's a Microsoft showcase. Uh, maybe you do a PC show and then maybe you get like one or two more. The problem yeah. is, is we have like five or six. Yep. And some of those got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had the same thought about that, like at, around the time of the wholesome, the second wholesome one, because um, and I, I said, that's the first time the wholesome games thing came around that when, and, 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 and I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a terrible thing to say, but it's like when a lot of these games have the exact same kind of tone and also maybe a similar color palette, it is doing such a disservice to those games to be showing them 50 at a time, in my opinion. Um, And because you're just not going to remember any of this stuff. It's not going to stand out. And it's not that E3 was necessarily great at framing stuff that like you really can't miss um, because that was all kind of aimed by marketing dollars. And the, the biggest, the biggest and loudest is the thing that you remember. But there was something about having, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, like the cream rise to the top that week of E3 that seemed more legible to me than endless showcases of stuff that I never remember. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that does help at at, at E3 is uh, you sort of get the communal, like everyone's, like as you pass someone in the hallway, right? like, yo, did you see such and such? You should try to get an yeah, appointment. Check it out. To, um, and I, I will say, like, in terms of, say, like the PC gaming show or wholesome games, uh, a lot of that is indies, and indies yeah. were always poorly served by E3. But again, yeah. that's why I prefer PAX, because yeah. PAX, they're all on the show floor. And, and literally all I do, like on PAX, I put aside a day, no appointments, and I just walk. Yeah. And whatever catches my eye, I'll stop by and play it. And yeah. And that's just so much better in terms of, uh, you know, reaching at least me. For sure. Uh, rather than yeah. just a trailer. And I'm just like, I okay i i totally missed that <laughs> and, and i also think that that nintendo uh has probably reached a, a good like they know exactly how to pace their stuff yeah um like maybe we got okay an indie world showcase let's say we got 20 games they know how to pace it they know how to be like this is a slightly bigger indie game so let's bookend like two slightly bigger games with three smaller ones. There's a bit of contrast to it. Like there's an art to it and not everyone has that art. Down. Not, a, not everybody's got it. It's true. No. Um, well, 
we'll see how it shakes out. Obviously, we'll we'll have whatever Summer Game Fest is this this upcoming year. Uh, Jeff was, of course, itchy with that trigger finger. Um, uh, but what else is going on with you, Mike? I feel like we haven't we haven't caught up in a while. Uh, I'm hip deep in the thing that you pay me for, which is Final <laughs> Fantasy 14. Um, so we're, we're, we're in what is called the Savage Raid tier. Yeah. Um, and that is a lot of, uh, like I have not previously done Savage Raiding. I've done regular raiding. So I am writing guides up for that because they are hard. Uh, and you've been like first, diagramming stuff it's why yes yeah so the the first one is out and they're they're pretty hard because they're they're mechanically tight fights yeah and so i i have been one trying to complete it i do not have what is called a static which is a group of friends with whom i savage raid so i have had to jump into what's called party finder uh, uh. where you just you roll the dice and see which group you think is going to carry you across the finish line, um, which is a, a goddamn nightmare. Yeah, that um, sounds awful. So uh, that is that's part of what I've been doing, uh, mostly on the Final Fantasy side, but also been uh, catching up. I finally got a, a a very thick volume of Common Rider the original manga all right uh by shotar ishinomori uh since it is the 50th anniversary of the creation of the character well 2021 was so now we are they are mostly celebrating it this year uh in terms of shows and and other stuff that is coming down the pop pipeline and uh uh since uh, this seemed to be the show that you can talk about weird you nonsense. You can, absolutely. Common Rider is my weird nonsense. I was about to say, I was like, you are you are the person I think of when I I see Common Rider mentioned. Uh, I go, oh, that's, that's a Mike thing. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you, here's what I know about Common Rider. Are you ready? Okay. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a bug guy that rides a motorcycle. That is that is technically correct for the first one. <laughs> that is yes, he is. Uh, well, the the very first one is a a bike riding fellow named Takeshi Hongo, who gets taken in, uh, uh, kidnapped by Shocker, and they perform uh, experiments on him and turn him into a cyborg. Uh, but he breaks Damn. free before the mind control can set in. And so then he spends uh, the show, I think it's it's like 50 plus episodes, the first show. Um, they keep throwing other uh, cyborgs at him, each with a different animal, uh, insect, plant, you know, they the all motif. have different themes. That's cool. Um, that that, he, that lights up the Mega Man part of my brain. So that's cool. Yeah, and then he punches them. Uh, and kills their little, uh, like, I, I'll call them putties for Power Ranger people. <laughs> sure. Like, they know what that is. Yep. Uh, he'll punch and throw all of their dudes until he gets the, the actual one. And then he will usually do what is called the rider kick, uh, which is a, like, a big jump kick. 
and this will usually kill them, cause them to explode. Um, so that's the first one. It has been going on outside of, there was a gap from, uh, 1989 to 2000. Otherwise it's been going on every year since. Uh, so we are on currently this year, the 32nd show common writer revise. Um, and the things that mostly carry over or are the writer kicking the, uh, <laughs> henshin belt, which has now become, uh, the driver. So it's usually whatever the name of the writer is driver or something like that. And uh, Rider Kicking. Uh, and finally, the main theme, which is usually that Common Rider is always powered by the same thing that powers the enemies for his, their respective shows. Because each show is its own continuity, its own uh, premise. Uh, and over the year, the show runs the entirety of, it, uh, of its premise from beginning to end. And then next year, they start up with a new character, a new cast, a new premise, and do it again. Um, and uh, Kamen Rider, like Gundam, I love... I, I think I love seeing people play with a specific idea and theme. Yeah. Like, just to see what they can come up with. Because not every show is good. Sure. But the magic of that is next year maybe the next one will be good so like i can dip out and be like ah nah like uh the last the 2020 to 2021 show was common rider saber i watched like three episodes of that and i was like mm, i'm not into this you, you didn't like it all right no so i just didn't watch for a year and then the next one started up and i was like okay this is much better um and Gundam is the same way, except sadly Gundam isn't as consistent in release. Um, but I enjoy seeing like, okay, here's the, the basic building blocks of a common writer or of a Gundam. Yeah. Let show me what you can do. Like yeah. just do some fun stuff with it. Um, another thing like that was star Wars visions, um, which was also a, a Japanese, uh, a thing of primarily Japanese creators. And it doesn't have to be. It's just, I, I feel like we don't do that as much on the Western side. I think Ninja Turtles is probably the That's only the thing. closest thing. Yeah, I agree. We're like, we'll just be like, okay, that one's done. Let's start up another one. Yeah. With a completely different look and premise. We, and I, and we've I, gotten way too attached to this kind of, uh, uh, tied in universe like continuity like i love continuity but like i think we've gotten way 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 too attached to it yeah and and i i i, I enjoy it like the mcu or uh dceu uh i enjoy that stuff but i also do like the the fun of just playing around just being yeah. like like okay let's do uh spider-man tom holland could keep the role um, but also why don't we do one-offs? Like just give yeah. somebody Spider-Man for like eight episodes and see what they can do. Yeah. Like, just once a year. Yeah. Um, not all of them will be good, but in some of them, you'll probably find a spark of something that's going to be interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, and common writers like that, like they, they, they do sometimes share, uh, production teams, like usually for a very long time, the main writer from like, uh, Kuga to I think Zio. So that's from 2000 to like 2019. Yeah. The main writer was always played by suit actor Seiji Takaiwa. Um, and he retired because, uh, after a certain point, your 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 body, uh, yeah, I mean, because it's, they it's shoot a lot of these, physical. That's a lot of physical activity. Yeah, right. They shoot these fairly quickly because you have uh, an, an entire year of shows. Is, you know, it's like fifty episodes. Um, so, whoever your main suit actor is, the guy wearing the costume, uh, they pretty much have to run and jump and flip and. Mm-hmm. and do nonsense every week yeah not not everyone is jack not everyone is jackie chan who can just do this for like 50 years and it's it's fine uh, right yeah so uh Takaiwa did it for a very long time now they have a new guy for zero one saber and revise which were the last three shows they, they passed it on to the young blood um uh i think he Takai was still out there. He's just not the main writer. So there, okay. there's usually uh, in Common Rider, the first series, there was just Common Rider uh, Ichigo. And then the actor um, was doing uh, a stunt and he got hurt. So they replaced him temporarily with another Common Rider. <laughs> oh, um, no. And that was uh, Ichigo and Nigo, uh, the s- second rider, rider yeah. two, uh, which was really just the same costume with some stuff slightly changed, <laughs> and a different actor who would do the out the like the character and the suit acting. Um, okay. These days they don't do that anymore. Okay. The, there's a there's a usually young man in his early 20s uh who is the main character and then there is also a uh suit actor, like suit Seiji, actor. Okay. Who, who does all of the stunts gotcha um but when the show first started like they were just like just get in that suit yeah like do the acting <laughs> get in the suit um and i i've been watching the original because you can find it on tubi or pluto tv and uh, some of these stunts that they're doing are very much like, wow, you guys really didn't care. Like, this is your <laughs> shot. And you got your man up there on a cliff. And if he falls, he dies. And that's the end of the show. Like, wow. <laughs> oh I just. God. And so, yeah, uh, on, a, on a bike stunt, um, the, the main rider dude got hurt. And so they put in a second rider. Uh, and that didn't sort of become a, a standard thing until much later, but after a certain point, usually there's at least three writers in a show. Um, so Seiji got to move to, you know, maybe one of the other spots because they yeah. don't always appear. They're not main characters. Yeah. Um, and also it's a kid's show. So most of the modern ones are very toyetic. They have sure. a, a clear progression of, here's the widget that I used to, I put in my driver, the, the henchman belt and change. And then 
you know, a couple weeks in, they get a better widget. And then, you know, a couple weeks in, usually aligned to uh, quarters because, you know, they want to have a new toy out for the quarter. Uh, here's a an upgrade widget and it it's nonsense. It's it's child nonsense, but it's fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to see dudes uh, trying to act real serious about uh, colorful monsters. And then they do colorful poses and transform into uh, karate bug men, as uh, some of the community has come to call them now. I mean, that sounds pretty accurate. Do you have a favorite series? Uh so I actually fan subbed uh Common Rider. I fan subbed anime for a while as well. Um so I yes. have a lot of fondness for Common Rider 555 Common Rider Fies, which was like early 2000s. Okay. Cuz that was one of the first shows that I actually fan subbed. So I was um subbing that in real time as it was coming out. Like as we, it would air in Japan, we would get the digital files and then we would fan sub it and put it out. Are you, Um, are you fluent in Japanese? Oh no, no, no. no, Okay. So you were, you were working. I I was editing and timing and stuff like that. Uh, Okay. I I gotcha. I can sometimes get by like, so like while we were waiting for the full translation, I would watch the raws and could get most of it, but, um that's no no amazing. i lived in japan for a very long uh like f- six years yeah um and but i don't i don't have any of that anymore okay so I, I i can get by uh sometimes when i'll do an interview with the japanese dev like i can get the answer before the translator gets sure it, fluent. No, no. yeah that's amazing so, though so when did you stop doing fan subs uh probably Let's see. I did. I get So probably late two thousand. So probably it was a good eight years of fan subbing. Wow, that is a part of your uh, career, uh, so to speak. That I'm I did not know about at all. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I did. I did anime for a while. Um, a couple shows, Gundam Seed, uh, which places me, and and then I got into. Common writer again, like I had gotten into it prior to that, but I got into it again and started fan subbing it. Um, it was a lot of fun, uh, uh, for absolutely no money. Uh, I, I guess these days probably it'd be Patreon or something like that, but yeah, right. Um, and there are a bunch of movies too, right? Uh, so, so. Early on, it was the show, and then there were a couple of movies that they were making. Okay. Uh, now that it is a a thing, it is actually one of... Uh, so, uh, Ishinomori also created Super Sentai, uh, which is the thing that becomes Power Rangers um, when they adapt the Japanese footage over to the West. Um but Kamen Rider is definitely, like, if you look at Bandai's balance sheet, the more popular of the two now. Um, I guess because it's a more focused story for kids or something. Like, there's always a, a yeah. stronger focus. Now that it is a, a big business, what they have is 
uh, two movies for each year for the character. Usually there is one that is a movie that is tied directly to their story. And then usually there is a team up, uh, uh, film that has both of the writers, like the preceding year's writer and the current year's writer. And then usually like in one of those movies, the next year's writer also appears as like a quick cameo. Like, okay. Like, Hey man, who are you? (laughs) Oh, don't worry about that, bro. I'm just insert name here. Let me kick this guy for you. They kick the guy. (laughs) I'll see you later, man. Cool. It's uh, it's it's very it's very hokey, but it's a ton of fun. And that's great. They're so dumb. They're so dumb. I know that every every series is different, and that's really cool. But is there like a good entry point specifically for someone that has not you know watched or consumed any common writer at all? Uh, I would say probably uh, for the modern ones, uh, Common Rider Double or Common Rider Build. So Double was the first, uh, like 2010. Okay, is what we call the Neo Heisei period, and then uh, Build was probably like 2017. Doing the math quickly in my head. Um, yeah. If you're, you're willing you're, to you're, try you're something. Right, you're right about all of this, by the way. I'm looking at the <laughs> I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and all the dates, and I don't think you've missed a date yet that you've said. So that's amazing. I'm I'm doing the math backwards. That's yeah. why I'm like I'm like counting. I'm like minus minus just like one, two, three, four. <laughs> um uh not all of them are easy to find, okay. but we we we've gotten probably in the past two years to the point that uh uh, one Bandai's um, has a company called Bluefin, they're, so they're bringing over a lot of the toys and action figures, but also the shows are starting to get uh, brought over. Yeah. Um. So m- uh, maybe like I they just released the Blu-rays for Common Rider Zero One, um, but I would not start there. Okay. Um. Actually, Tubi and Pluto. It's a little bit older. Comrade Kuga was. I, I said there was a gap from like eighty nine to the early two thousands. Yeah. And Kuga was the first like return. to come back. Yeah. Um. So it is much older. It it it's from two thousand, but it does feel like an early nineties kind of thing. Okay. Um. You can find that on Tubi or Pluto TV, both of which are free ad-supported streaming services. So you can maybe start there. It it's uh it's a bit closer to the older ones in that it's not as toyetic uh uh or or bright. I mean, a lot of people die in Kugo. Like the, the oh, wow. main thrust for most of the uh early plot is that the monsters have their own betting game to see who can kill the most people so every episode <laughs> is just like yeah man uh they go out they kill some people then they come back and they meet with their 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 squad and be like yo i killed like six people today <laughs> damn 
That's dark. <laughs> That's dark. I like it. All right, I might check that out. I, I like. I keep seeing stuff um, pop up. That's like, where do I find this? Like, I, I go to Just Watch a lot. JustWatch.com, which is basically like a good site to figure out just like where something is streaming. And more and more, I'm typing in obscure stuff, and like Tubi is showing up. So I guess I gotta like check Tubi out. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's it's yeah. not amazing. Uh, you can also um, you can catch first episodes of a lot of these officially. Uh, because Toei has put them up on, uh, it's, it's, it's like Toei Tokusatsu World or something like that uh-huh. is the channel's name. And they have uploaded, uh, full series of a lot of their really old stuff that they don't care about, but they also intersperse in between their, uh, official translated first episodes of most of the, current common rider shows wow so you can just get like the first episode okay so i would go there and and see at least common rider double uh maybe build just to get an idea uh of of what what those do uh but kuga yeah is a good it's a pretty good place okay i i'm taking notes uh Mike, thank you for hanging out and telling me about Common Rider. This is I didn't expect this this morning, but I'm very I'm very happy to know more. I'm I'm always happy to tell you about <laughs> errant nonsense. That's I what I'm here for. I'm gonna check one of these out and then I'll have you back and I'll ask you a bunch of questions. But uh yeah, thanks again. Well, we are officially out of the doldrums of the winter break where there were really no game releases to speak of. And now we've got a small trickle before we hit February, which is going to be one of the wildest months I can remember in recent memory in terms of games releases. We'll get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about five games that are coming out this week that you should know about. First is Xbox Series X January 10th Super Sammy Roll. This game is out on a bunch of other consoles already, uh, PS5, PC, etc. It is a really cute, pretty simple uh, 3D platformer where you roll around as a lizard. You can use your tongue to grapple stuff. It looks like like one of those like... uh, kind of like off the beaten path third party platformers for Nintendo 64. Um, and that's a compliment. Um, this is one of those games that when I checked it out a little bit, it, I'm probably going to add it to my steam library and check it out. Cause it looks like a lot of fun and it will be out on Xbox series X this week. Uh, PUBG battlegrounds. Have you heard of this game? It's a brand new game. I'm just kidding. It's not brand new. It's not even close to brand new, but it is going free to play on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Google Stadia on January 12th. If you missed that news, uh, it was announced during the Game Awards, but yes, PUBG Battlegrounds uh, is now free to play starting this week. Uh, The Anacrusis is an interesting uh, co-op shooter. Uh, We talked about it a bit last week because it's going to appear on Xbox Game Pass, and it's going to be out on PC, Xbox Series X, S, and Xbox One on January 13th. Also on January 13th is Mushroom Wars 2, an RTS game uh, with a cute cute graphic style. It looks fun, looks relatively simple as far as RTSs go. It's been out on PC for a bit, but it's coming to PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, and Xbox One on January 13th. 
And then the biggest release on my radar this week is, of course, the PC release of God of War. That's coming out on January 14th. If you never owned a PS4 or PS5 or never got a chance to play this game, it's now on PC and it's really good. It's my 2018 game of the year. Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of the previous God of War games. Um, and I thought God of War in 2018 is it's one of my favorite action adventure games. Um, and I just love the battle system. I love the exploration. Uh, I love the new environment in this kind of wintry, uh, Norse environment really dug it. It'll set the table nicely for the sequel Ragnarok, which comes out, uh, here in a bit. And, uh, yeah, it, it'll, it'll feature some graphical flourishes and, uh, you know, probably a more robust photo mode, I would guess. Uh, but yeah, if you want to uh, read a full review of it, you can do so over at fanbyte.com. Kenneth Shepard got his hands on the PC version and reviewed it for us. Uh, so yeah, um, that's that's the big release this week. Let's talk about February for a second. I don't usually like to look ahead that far, but I just need everyone to know the stuff that's coming. First of all, we have a Life is Strange remastered collection coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and Stadia. That's at the first of the month. We have Dying Light to Stay Human, which we should have a review of, uh, I think maybe at the end of this month, actually. Uh, that's February 4th. We have Ollie Ollie World. That's February 8th. We have Sifu also on February 8th. We have Lost Ark, which is kind of might be under the radar, but it's kind of uh, it looks like an MMO Diablo like uh, from Korea. That should be one of those things that is quietly popular, I think. King of Fighters 15, February 17th. Horizon Forbidden West, February 18th. Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, February 22nd. Okay. <laughs> Elden Ring, February 25th. And also, the Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster will be out sometime in February. And, and yeah, that's February. That's a huge month. So in case you were like, well... January's, you know, it's got some stuff. It's got God of War. It's got Windjammers 2. Just wait. Just wait. Once, po once Pokemon Legends Arceus comes out on January 28th, it's it's like over. I mean, it's it's like 28 straight days of uh, of of pure bangers. So, yeah, we're going to be really busy over here at fanbuy.com. <laughs> Please send us, uh, your, send us an edible arrangement. We need energy. My second guest this week is friend of the site and now brand new featured contributor for fanbyte.com. I'm so excited to have Diego Arguello on the show. Hi, Diego. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so exciting to hear that from you. Yeah. It's so real from me. Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah. We're super happy to have you. This is this is one of one of the one of the post Christmas gifts that we got for ourselves was Diego. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's very kind of you. yeah no Thank it's you. super exciting um i want to start first of all uh by asking you because i'm not sure if i know the answer to this question have you ever been to an e3 before i have yeah okay I went to i think my first and last e3? the first and last so you're one of those that went to the first and last basically yeah wow um yeah i, I think 
Uh, it's kind of a bittersweet memory. Yeah, uh, sure. I think I'm on the same page of a lot of like our, our colleagues. Uh, where it's like it's cool to go to E3 at least once. Uh, but once you're there, I mean, it depends on your workload and what you're doing, of course. Uh, but it's so busy. I mean, it was so busy for me that I barely got to like actually just like look at stands or like walk around without like uh, having to go for like one um space to the other and like pretty much sprinting yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, that's what we've been talking yeah. about too. Just the past few days. Just like, yeah. It's it's nice to see people. Like I think, you know, yeah. if you've got good industry friends, it's usually a pretty exciting thing to go to go do. But yeah, like it's the it's the running from one corner of the convention center to a hotel that's two blocks away to like see a game um, that I don't think I will miss either. Um, but do you, do you like the format of a lot of di- like smaller showcases throughout the year though? Or do you think there could be a, a better kind of middle ground to do this? I think there could be a, a better middle ground. Um, first, I mean, it's only the first week of January. And we're already like hearing things about E3 and Summer Game <laughs> Fest. And I'm like, uh, okay, hold on. Uh, yeah, have, but you, secondly, have you all seen February yet? Like, let's get past February and then we could talk about this other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me at least one month to like settle in, get back to work uh-huh. properly. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I remember in, in 2020 when um, everyone started like pretty much announcing. Uh, their own live stream, yeah. like all publishers and such. I was thinking, okay, yeah, it's the first year of like all of this, and it's a sudden change and everything. And then in 2021, it's like we had even more of them. Yeah. Uh, and it seems it's going to be like a packed year, uh, this one as well. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, and so, like, publisher showcases, uh, I mean, it always depends, but it doesn't seem to be like they need an actual showcase or like for everyone on media to spend like an hour watching a showcase mm-hmm. expecting some news right and then like nothing happens basically <laughs> yeah yeah it's like we've we've decided to pack a bunch of stuff into these uh many different things and it's like yeah all this stuff would have been probably better served if it had just kind of individually come out and you know the team itself had handled the marketing because it just gets mm-hmm. lost in the shuffle, it feels like. So, yeah. Yeah, well... Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. And I think it's a shame that that we don't have a... I do think it's a shame that we don't have, like, a week where the entire games industry basically gets together somewhere in the U.S. Like, there, there is Gamescom, but it's really tough for people to travel from the U.S. and other places to Germany. And, I don't know, I want to go t- cover Tokyo Game Show real bad, but, like... I'm not sure if that's in the cards anymore. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. But I guess we still have packs, and I guess they're taking vaccinations this time. Like they, instead of just you know the honor system or whatever they were using last time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll uh, we'll always have something, but I I will kind of miss getting together with everyone. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I had the. Uh, I wish I would have the opportunity to like go to at least a second one. Yeah, like already knowing what to expect. Sure. Yeah, um, I, I think the first year I went, I was completely 
um, I was completely awestruck. I think I was like totally shell shocked and, and I don't really have like good memories of it, but the, the more recent one I went to was a whirlwind, but I at least knew what to expect. So yeah, I, I, I wish you had that second opportunity. So maybe we'll get it, but who knows? Um, yeah. But uh, one of the games that you've been covering this week, uh, running guides for and stuff, I've been seeing it on Slack and just been like, I, I, I feel like I've, I feel like that game has been out for seven years, but whatever, uh, is Project <laughs> Zomboid, which like I, it has been out for that long, but it's just gotten this crazy resurgence of popularity. Can you talk a bit about this game and kind of like what it is if people don't know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, actually, I remember, well, when I went to, like, restore the game, uh, like, Steam had kept uh, a track of my time. I think it was, like, six hours uh-huh. that I last played on 2015. Uh, yeah, 15. Oh, my God. Basically. Uh, like, the same year where I started, like, writing about games as a hobby. So it's been a long time. That's amazing. <laughs> like, basically, all my writing career. Um since the last time I played this game. Uh, for folks who don't know, it's... Uh, when I say this wars now in, in 2021, it's going to sound exhausting. <laughs> uh, it's a survival game in a zombie apocalypse. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's... I think it's fair to say... Um, I mean, it's similar to like DayZ, for example. Right. Uh, games like that. So it's like... Um, is like ambitious uh, premises of like, okay, we're actually really um, looking in depth into like the mechanics and trying to like make it like as survival as possible. Um, and it takes time, as we've seen, because it's been nearly accessed for that long. Yeah. It's nowhere near done. Um, but it's basically like they see, but it's a top down view. Um, Folks are uh, always start. It's like a fictional city based on Kentucky, yeah. the US. Um, so it's like this huge open war. There are four like spawn points, uh, which are like I think parts of the city basically, or like four different cities. Yeah. Um, and you basically start, and the game tells you, "All right, just like okay, this is the story of how you die." Uh-huh. It's like how long you can can you survive because there's like no cure uh and the developer said that there's not gonna be a cure uh so it's like okay you start a house or maybe like a police precinct or like somewhere else um you have like basic clothes uh and you start like scavenging your surroundings for like weapons or food or i don't know like bandages or or, uh, other medical supplies uh and then it's up to you how you like spend your days. Uh, obviously you want to have like, uh, first of all, a secure place and then um, have like enough food and have like enough, at least a couple of weapons, uh, which I mean, quote unquote weapons because we can use anything from like pans to like uh, pencils to like, uh, <laughs> like pretty much everything that can hurt someone, uh, you can use it. It's just, <laughs> Even if it looks like ridiculous uh, in real time, um, but yeah, I think it's interesting because it's super complex. I mean, there's like tons and tons of of mechanics in place, uh, 
But that's the basic premise, and you can like get around the game with just that, which is I think it makes it like more welcoming other like similar games. Yeah, yeah, and there, there is it's is it massively multiplayer or is it just kind of like some people can be on your server as well? So you can play, yeah, you can play both uh, just single player. Okay. Uh, or you can either like join servers or just host your own. Right. Uh, and there's a server capability of, I think it's 126 players. Oh, maximum, wow. Okay. Which is a lot. Yeah. And I mean, um, one of the, one of the mechanics of, like Daisy that I remember was really prominent was like sometimes like other player characters will like kill you and take your stuff. Is that something that happens in this game or is it more cooperative? It's far more cooperative okay. in that sense, uh, which also makes it like, yeah, I remember playing Daisy back in the day and just like going from tra or rather trying to go from point A to B uh -huh. uh, and getting killed in the process yeah, every time. Right. <laughs> Uh, this is more like just finding another player and then like uh, there's the like gestures, uh, emotes, sorry, that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like emoting them and maybe like uh, typing something in chat and tagging along or not. Um, but yeah, it's even from the ground up. So you're always creating a new character. Um, and one of the things I love is that um, you can choose uh, an occupation. Okay. So you can be either like an employee, which is an actual occupation in the game, or you can be something like, I don't know, a chef or like a burger or a police officer or whatever. Hmm. Um, and then you have like two lists of traits, so like positive and negative traits. And this can be anything from like, uh, you can be like uh, short-sighted or you can be like a, a slow learner, so it's going to take you like, more time than usual uh, to read books, for example, which mm. both books and magazines that you can find can teach you um, skills. <laughs> Paul says, wow, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both books and magazines can teach you uh, specific, like, um, skills or, like, uh, there's also, like, a stats system for each character. Uh, so for each... You get like a, a points to spend, like for example, eight points. So every positive trade that you add um, reduces a number, and each like negative trade that you add increases a number. So you have to like kind of balance that. Okay. Um, and it leads to some like interesting combinations uh, to extend like no no. Like between the occupation and the traits, no character is the same. Mm -hmm. Like for example, if you choose uh, a chef, uh, they're gonna have like the nutritionist skill available from the get go. So whenever you pick up food, you can see like the values oh, of cool. like, calories and such right. uh, of each like item of food. But if you don't have that, uh, you can only see them on like. Um, Close pack on like packages of food and not just like apples or whatever. Oh, uh, oh wow, that's so smart. So like you can see the nutrition information on stuff that's packaged, but not just stuff that you find in the world. Exactly. Oh wow, that's kind of cool. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if for example, if if you're a burger, you can just like hold wire 
any vehicle from the get-go. Uh-huh. Uh, otherwise, you need to like raise certain stats for your character if you want to do so. Be able to hotwire uh, a car or whatever. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of ground to cover in terms of like what do you want to like experiment with. Yeah, uh, but of course, since uh, it's not likely that you're gonna be surviving like ten hours each time. Uh, it leads to that experimentation as well. Okay, I lost this character, but maybe I can try like another trade or another occupation and see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's kind of the race to see just kind of like what's the longest time you can go with the with this character. I'm sure there's like, uh, you know, have you gone a long time with the character? Did you feel a certain sense of loss once, once one of your characters died? Uh, not really. Okay. The cool thing is that... Um, this isn't like a, a roguelike thing, but okay. I mean, were were even roguelikes present back in 2013, aside from like rogue and such? I, I don't remember. I I mean, there were, there were definitely roguelikes and stuff. I just don't. I wasn't. I wasn't super into them at the time, but I I'm more open to them now. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, Binding of Isaac has been uh, present since forever, but yeah. Um. So whenever your character dies. Uh, basically becomes a zombie. If you go to that location, you can like actually loot them. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, so yeah, one of the like strategies that players have is if you get beaten and you know that you're basically uh, going to turn in like uh, just like an X amount of time, it's like, okay, how many like resources can I gather uh, during that time and where am I going to like lose this character so i can know okay yeah 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 that's cool i love that um and i mean the game has had like a not a total overhaul but i was looking at like the i I was reading some interviews with the the folks that made it and just kind of the roadmap and this was build 41 i believe of the game that would that came out and like Changed the way some combat stuff worked and changed, you know, kind of overhauled some of the systems and things like that. And that that drove like the steam concurrence from like 7,000 to like 62,000. Um, so it's like a massive explosion of popularity, which like we've seen stuff like this before, like Among Us, although it's not as long, like that came out in 2018, but it was only really popular in 2020. And and so there mm-hmm. with with streaming and steam and, and a lot of these kind of like uh long gestation periods for these teams that build a lot of stuff into the game at a later date there is this opportunity to say okay this game might be eight years old but you know uh now it's it's gotten like a fresh coat of paint like it seems almost like a sequel to the original game that came out in 2013 but it's just the same thing um so like i don't know i've seen some of the roadmap stuff they're gonna add like uh, NPC characters, like human NPCs, and do like request kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like a massive, ambitious thing that they're trying to go for. Definitely, uh, I, th- I think one of the most, at least in like the um, survival slash zombie apocalypse game genre, uh, it's one of the most complex I've seen so far. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's stuff like if you're looking at your character. Uh, profile for example you can see like your body temperature so it's like in winter you need like more clothes mm, uh, wow uh, if it's summer you're gonna get like basically if you go outside you're gonna get a debuff almost immediately saying hey you're like getting kind of hot you should like take off some clothes or something 
Um, and you can see like individual, like each individual part of your body and how either cool or hot it is. Uh, there's a lot of that stuff, really. Wow. Um, and it seems like the community really, I mean, you have like this, like folks like me who are like maybe not engaging like that, the exact same math or like the exact same calculations of everything of like, oh, if I use like a jacket instead of a shirt, uh, I know I'm going to get hot in like, I don't know, uh, an hour from now or something. Right. Um, uh, but you also have that kind of people who are like, uh, who have been like engaging and seeing the game evolve for this long and uh, are probably like streaming it now. I've seen a lot of like yeah. uh, activity on Twitch as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's really great to see. Um, and what you mentioned about uh, this being a sequel, that's true. I think one of the developers acknowledged that on the Steam forums uh, because people were complaining about, hey, you're taking too long to, uh, like, I think it was NPCs. Right. Uh, and they were like, yeah, I mean, this update was basically a sequel. Uh, and instead of, like, leaving, like, the the other version, just like the first game, just, like, not updating anymore, uh, and coming down with, like, a, a, a second game, basically, and charging you all again, uh, we're, like, sticking to the long uh, run on this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they were committed on that idea, I think, and it's, I think it's paying off for them. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. It's it's uh it's really bizarre. It's still technically in early access on Steam, but this is a robust and interesting game that, I, d- despite the fact that, like you said, Diego, like I am super tired of this genre. Um, I'm probably gonna add this to my library and check it out because it is, it's it doesn't seem as, um maybe punishing at least in terms of a pvp aspect that's something like um uh uh well my gosh was we just talked about it the uh the z thing daisy yeah daisy god i was about to say world war z that's a completely different thing um (laughs) but it's like yeah it's like this isometric cool thing that like i don't know i'm i'm probably gonna check out um and i just i can't believe that it's gotten this kind of resurgence but it's pretty pretty cool um, what other games are you excited about this, uh, this quarter? There's a lot coming out between now and like the end of March. Um, what are you, what are you most looking forward to? There's probably too much coming out. Yeah, there's way, March. there's way too much. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but I mean, stuff like Elden Ring, I want to see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did try the, uh, the beta that happened last year. Yeah. Um, and I want to see how that retains to like the the whole game, like the whole experience, the open war. Yeah. Uh and how yeah they, they iterate on that. Um uh, I think Pokemon Legends uh Arceus is like I'm not like the biggest Pokemon fan. Yeah. Uh I, I play a couple of them but it seems um different in the way that Pokemon games usually aren't. Uh which I think is what makes it like so enticing at the moment. Right. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that because like I I've bounced off of most Pokemon games, most major Pokemon games. I've really bounced off of. I've tried to play. I get a few hours in, and I'm like, I don't think this is for me. But there is something about the mechanics 
and the overall like idea of Arceus that I'm like, all right, this is maybe pulling me in a little bit more than than other games have. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, but there's like Diego said, a ton coming out between now and uh in April. So we're we're just gonna have to buckle down. Um but I'm gonna check out I'm gonna check out Project Zomboid. I just uh bought it and installed it on my computer. So um yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see you in there, Diego. Um, awesome. <laughs> all right. There are a couple of guides you can. There are can some write. guides over <laughs> at oshit.help. You can find all of fanbyte.com's yep. guides at oshit.help. Uh, Diego has joined our guides crew along with Colin and Dylan, and we are so happy to have you again, Diego. Uh, so yeah, thank you. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks again for joining. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. That is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank both of my guests, Mike Williams and Diego Arguello, for stopping by. Uh, you can find them both over at fanbyte.com, which is super exciting. Mike is super busy with Final Fantasy XIV. You can find most of his writing at thelinkshell.com. That is uh, Fanbyte's Final Fantasy XIV coverage. Uh, but you can also find him at other places, too. And you can find him on Twitter at AutomaticZen. If you want to find Diego, you can find him writing a bunch of guides and other stuff uh, over at fanbyte.com right now. You can also find Find him at Diego Arguello 66 on Twitter. Uh, thanks to my producer Paul Tamayo for again uh, helping me put together this incredible episode of Thanks for the Knowledge. Uh, Paul does a ton behind the scenes and on production and all that stuff. Uh, he's uh, great, my partner in crime for this show. You can follow him on Twitter at Polymayo, and please listen to the optional podcast. It is an excellent podcast right here on the Fanbyte Network that Paul hosts along with Cam Brewster. It's one of my favorite listens every single week, and uh, this week's episode is uh, particularly funny. Uh, all right, folks. Oh, hey, I forgot about me. How could I forget about me? You can find me at Floppy Adult over on Twitter. You can find Fanbyte at Fanbyte Media. You can find all of our podcasts at podcastnet.work. And please join our Discord, fanbyte.casa. That is fanbyte.casa. It's a really great place to chill out with some excellent people. Until next week, folks, you're welcome. Welcome.